Well, hello everyone. My name is Tyler Chisholm and welcome to They Just Get It, a podcast about people that, well, they just get it. And I am absolutely honored to have a woman with me today, a guest that not only do I hold in incredibly high regard, I'm also happy to call a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to welcome Miss Carlene Donnelly, the Executive Director of CUPS. Well, thank you. It's absolutely delightful to be here today. It's always nice to get out in our community and sit down with uh, folks that I've known for a long time, but get to know them even better. And I certainly hold uh, you, Tyler, in as equal amount of esteem. So this is going to be a lot of fun to get to know each other a little bit more even. Absolutely. That is this personally the selfish benefit I get about <laughs> this is I take people that I know. And when I start really leaning in, I realize all of a sudden I maybe don't know the whole story. And I, I know the end. I know you in the current role that you have. We've been friends for maybe 10 years. Yes. I know you in the role as executive director uh, at CUPS. Um, highly impactful member of our community, a fantastic leader, uh, inspirational, I think, for a lot of people. But I don't really know much before. So before we get into the before, the, the, the journey, if, if you will, maybe share a little bit with our audience about, about CUPS and the, and the work you guys do. You bet. Um, CUPS has been a, a, an amazing organization in this city that has done one of two things, always meet the demands of people walking through our doors. Uh, but also, we've really had a very... Uh, evolutionary, innovative mindset of watching the trajectory of seeing folks that come in our door over literally generations, not necessarily change as much as we hope they would want to change. Doing well, working hard, uh, but really not getting that real big hand up. So CUPS has been in operation uh, for 30 years. We celebrate actually in 2019, our 30th anniversary. And we really always were incredibly good at engaging with people, respecting people, and moving them forward from very, very challenging circumstances. But it's only really in the last 10 years that we really took a step back and said, why does this pattern keep going around and around? We know that we can get them from being invulnerable or in crisis and move them into stable, but then it all seems to fall apart when there's one major crisis or big change or a backward steps. Um, so we really did a, a big, big, deep dive into saying why. What, what do we need to do to move upstream? So in this last 10 years, we have did a lot of fun uh, uh, New direct, taking on a lot of new directions of CUPS in really being able to infuse brain science into our programming. And from that, we really take a deep dive into the trauma these families and individuals have experienced in their life and then really putting a lot of specific and, and evidence-based um, interventions in place that really are moving them forward. And what we're seeing is now many are starting to move from stable to self-sufficient. They literally don't need us anymore. They know how to... So literally changing the cycle, changing the power. Changing the cycle, but also really giving them the tools that you or I or others might get in their own childhood or growing up or role models in their life and not on everyone in Fortunately, has that so really starting to give them the tools how to manage their life and make decisions but even more amazingly and beautifully is that they change that cycle for their children who don't grow up in the same trauma that is that amazing as i think you said it things that many of us take for granted you betcha that we're able you to bet. deal with some of those setbacks that happen in day because they do you know life is not, life is not a direct path and it's a series of twists and turns absolutely all not what we planned them to be so speaking of which, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing. We'll dive a little bit more into that in terms of you know, letting people learn a little bit more about CUPS. But we're going to learn a bit about you. Because you know, 22 years, I think you've, you've been at CUPS. 24. 24. Okay. All right. I checked, did my research. 24 years. <laughs> Operations manager. Well, and ma- actually, you're right, Tyler. Actually, oh. I'm wrong. Then my math's off. So the 30th anniversary will be at the end of that summer, my 24th. So it's 24. 24, 24 yeah. years in the, same, in the same place, starting from basically at its, its humble beginnings, your humble beginnings. Yes. 
what about before? Where, where did you grow up? Give us a little bit of backstory. Who's, who's the Carlene that we don't get to see up on the stage at the Cups Gala, wooing the audience with her, with her charm? Um, so I grew up the, the youngest of uh, many, many, many siblings. Uh, in fact, uh, the surviving siblings were 14. And so we grew up in rural PEI, which by all means was a fantastic, phenomenal place to grow up. You're growing up on a beach-filled island, uh, at a time when walk far enough really, anywhere and you'll hit a beach is basically you what happens. Betcha, you betcha. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's you know there's there's the whole population is around 140,000. So to be very rural, you really knew your neighbors well, you knew your community well, and you really had the luxury of being on a bike and going anywhere you wanted. Uh, so it was just a phenomenal way to a place to grow up. Uh, but I always have I will say, and I, I'm sure this comes from both my environment and and my genetics, but also my own natural. DNA that makes up me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always really loved watching what make people tick, and what and from two aspects. And I think this has been my lifelong journey. Is I love to look at an individual on their own, or an indi- or people in a group context, and see what they were feeding, or or driving towards, or feeding off that group to have, but also what they were lacking. And it was always very intrinsic to me to want to help them with what they were lacking. So, and from a context of my friends, to when I was very young, to uh, colleagues, to my family, um, when people really needed some some help and it was easy to watch them in terms of what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were, it was, it was always really important to me to help them with their deficits and to give them the full power of their strength. Um, and that's all of our journey. You, you addressed it before in even what we do at CUPS to when I was, you know, six years old going to grade one. Uh, that was always really important to me. And I think it makes us a much more civil society to um, fix someone's crown before you comment it's crooked. Uh. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. That's a mantra. So growing up with 13 older siblings. Yes. How did? Because oftentimes the youngest, you're the one everyone's babying and doting after. But it sounds like you were kind of playing a little bit of that role, the caregiver role, almost reaching out into your own family. Like, it sounds like a bit of a different DNA. Um, I, being the youngest is, is, a, is a term and a definition and a, and a place in your family for sure. So from that perspective, I always did know, particularly from my mother, that I was never not going to live being the baby of that family. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but I don't think I ever played, I, I would agree with you, I don't think I ever thought much about this, but I don't think I ever really played the baby role. Okay. Um, I was always pretty... It's a bit of a stereotype for sure, but I thought Absolutely. it would float it out there. Absolutely. Well, there's, there's others that I think would have been more, uh, even universally, we would have all been more protective of and needed maybe a little bit more support at times. I was always pretty stubbornly independent. Um, definitely not someone that, um, excuse me, fixed my... Uh, stubbornly independent in the way that I'd rather try and do it and fail than have someone show me the way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Absolutely. So that, that, that probably set the tone. So you grew up on the island. How long, how long did you stay on the island for? Um, I went to my first degree was at the University of uh, Prince Edward Island. And fantastic university, fantastic place to spread your wings from rural PEI. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. had not only a, a great experience, but uh, had a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's one thing I do know about you. You do like to have a good time and That's have right. a laugh. That's As, right. Again, another stereotype. A lot of a lot of people that I do know from the island 
uh, the party starts, they're in the kitchen, they're holding court, they're, they're, they're the life of the party. So that I've found to be consistently true with, with you as well. So how long, so you were on the island until you did 21. Your first, and so what was your first degree? Uh, in psychology. Psychology. Yeah, oh, Bachelor fantastic. of Arts in Psychology, major in Psychology. From that, I literally didn't even go to my graduation. I got a placement in Halifax, Nova Scotia with a, a place called the Bethany Home. And I started working there as a counselor and uh, worked up towards program director. And I was very young, but that was really an eye-opener, too. Um, A lot, that center really was a house for people that were sent away to have their babies. Um, And when you got to meet those young girls, a lot of them from all over, the Maritimes mostly, but even throughout Canada, um, it was quite interesting to hear their stories and not just about how the challenges of being, of having an early pregnancy when you're young, um, but the joy that they were, a lot of them were having at having that baby, but also um, being being in a home while they were pregnant and what that meant to their, their psyche in terms of the message that sends that uh, we're sending you away. Uh, we don't want people to know. Uh, those kind of things. Uh, in some cases, they were also girls that were homeless, but in a lot of cases, it was that. And it was it really did trigger to me um, how such actions, even if we fundamentally in different generations think it's right, has an right. impact on that person's complete psychological kind of insight on themselves and where they now view themselves at. Um, it was really tough for a lot of these young girls, and uh, I, I I felt very connected to their age. So well, you were even, a young girl yourself I was at the only time. 21. That must have been a very pivotal, like that's a powerful experience. It was a powerful experience. And it was, uh, it was, it was actually amazing because you really got to separate the issue from the people. And when you got to know those young girls and the staff there who were so caring, um, you realize that everyone has a story and it's very uniquely their own. Such a powerful lesson of, you know, the things that we can all take from of not just paint the paintbrush. That's oh, right. you, you are this group or you're that or you've had this happen to you. You're still a person. That's right. Underneath. Absol- and just understanding how certain things that happen in your life has an impact. So we do a lot of work at COPS and have actually developed our own thing uh, called a resiliency matrix. And because we offer healthcare, education and housing, this matrix looks at a whole host of assessments and interventions around how do we take all that mirage of services, complement it to what else you need and move you forward. And it's systematic, it's evidence-based, it's, it's, it's the right thing to do because it really is going to change that, that whole trajectory of getting the past the, you know, the stable part. But what it really came down to me, though, even at that early experience was, but how did that affect you? How did, what did you feel after they told you they were going to send you here? And what do you think about at night when you hold your baby and you don't always know if this is the right choice? And it's, we just have an innate ability in life to really center down and some are weighed so much more heavily with those kind of experiences and traumatic events and somehow others aren't. And that whole resiliency piece, mm-hmm. how how is that developed in some and how do we move people faster in some areas or how do we do and more? And such a unique experience because what Absolutely. will affect one person and just be a thing that happened, the other Absolutely. one can be a life-changing. So a now that we've developed experience. the tool in the last three years, I think back now to go, but we knew that then. I knew that hmm. there was one young gal that I worked with, and she was so devastated that she was there. And to the point that I'm, I really think she struggled most of her life with that rejection. And I ran into her mom. Well, it sets an anchor. It sets a map. It sets Absolutely. A, it sets a belief structure right. in motion that unless physically uh, altered, 
just cycles and patterns over and over again. And even then, if you don't get down to that deep trauma and build resiliency to help them get out of it, mm-hmm. it will weigh them down their whole life. And so the human experience, I think, is just amazing because as humans, I still think we hear the negative a lot harder than we hear the praise. Oh, so that's another that's another podcast unto, <laughs> unto itself. But no, I hear you. So that that first experience or that opportunity to get out there and 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 take your innate nature to help people and to want to make better and to want to lift up, that feels like that really like did that set you on a path or you, it sounds like you were on the path. But that that sounds like it was a real turning point. We all have that moment. I think I've always I, I agree with you. I think I always wanted to when I saw someone had deficits, I always wanted to strengthen those deficits. But um, I think on that. At that experience, I kind of went, that's where I think even in my mind, I went, we need to think differently. We need to be doing this differently. We can't keep doing this. We need to take this level of pain and rejection and and trauma, and we need to find ways to do to work differently mm-hmm. so they don't they're not subject to more negative. So I don't think I, I had the toolkit by any means then, but I still wanted you, you felt a it. way out. You knew there was something yeah, there. I knew it wasn't working doing it that way. Having these kind of homes or these kind of resources are important to help, but they need to be built to a plan of how they then can really rise above and do more and really get to that core feelings. And that was how many years ago? Not not not, not that anyone's dating anyone here in the room. We're trying to we're all we're all we're all young and and but that's that would have been late eighties. That those are, that's many generations ago when it that comes is. to the the beliefs and the mindset around. Some of the things we thought were right, I say, right. I say in quotes. <laughs> and at the time, it, in many cases, they were probably the right resources for mm-hmm. the belief system then. Of course. Um, but it really showed me, the, I, I saw the, the effects it had. The best choices course. were made by what was believed to be known yeah. at the time. Yeah. But we reserve the right to learn more <laughs> yeah. and, to, and to learn. So curious for yourself, you know, to, to look in and, and help and to, and to see that in others. Any big... Items for yourself to move down the path. We all have to let go. We all need to evolve. What we're, you know, as, as, as we've all evolved in our careers, we kind of look back and say, wow, you know, to help others sometimes is to help, help, help you oneself. Bet. So any, anything that kind of sticks out for you in your mind or kind of on, on this journey to the now that, uh, that you had to step aside, step over, <laughs> minimize to, to move forward? That change can be slow. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, yes. For both, I, I tend to be someone that when I see something that's, broken or not working as well as I think we could build better to work better, um, I get I, I get frustrated and impatient that um, it takes a while to change things. And then when you talk about people, it's even more fragile. When you talk about systems that need to be addressed or changed, it's even more fragile and more uh, complicated. So for me, that's one challenge I've always had to address. Um, I really, again, will say that I think Looking forward, we have all got to commit to be progressive and innovative and think differently and question the whys and question, is this the best use of time, money, resources? Um, so I really push hard on that. And sometimes I feel like I am pushing uh, against the wind in a very strong yes. windstorm. Uh, so it does. There, there's a whole notion of self-care that I think you really have to invest in. And everyone says they know that and they believe in that, but I don't do it really well. Um, when you, most, most, we, we typically won't argue with it, but yet what's like, so what is it you think that keeps us from, from, from taking, or us, I'm just using the proverbial us, sure. we all have it, yep. takes, this stops us from acting, even though like we know that choice A might be better than choice B, but we just, we still don't make it. And you, you live in this world every day. 
What's your, what are your thoughts on that? In, in my world, and again, what I love about the human condition is that people are so motivated by different things. They are, and some people, it's that they need more proof. They need more evidence. They need to know that this is worth changing. Um, I think for some systems, there's so many layers of how a decision gets made. It's complex. Um, I think for human beings, there's fear and fragility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a whole host of things. Uh, and I do think you need some change agents or leaders. Um, you know, in, in our community, I think part of the gift that we were given and very much an amazing resource is the Paley Foundation, the Alberta Women's um, uh, Britta Family Wellness Initiative. And really the, the tools and the resources that they've given us gives that that groundwork of, okay, okay. you, you got your evidence, you got your foundation. Um, so really, I think then it comes down to natural kind of leadership and time management and just really wanting to keep driving because it's it, there's a lot of tenacity to really having to keep pushing and pushing and pushing that rock uphill. Um, and that's kind of what it takes sometimes to change, particularly when you're talking about human beings when there's not really that, you know, evidence of financials um it's really <laughs> yes. about human behavior it's a lot we don't always have rois tied to our better choices right. i know yeah, absolutely. the balance sheet is a pretty good indicator human lives are a little <laughs> bit more complicated yes right? the, the human balance sheet <laughs> yes. many, many things many things on it it's very many many line items so i think we owe it to our community to be change agents that really keep pushing but that comes easier to some than others it's exhausting at times but it's also very rewarding at times so um you know i think for me it uh it takes a lot of time, effort, and even money, but we do have to take care of ourselves in that process. And I agree. I think we tell ourselves that we know, but I haven't been the greatest at that. And I know I that. I think we all can We all can be better again. <laughs> and I would argue, though, that people that are incredibly driven, which I tend to be, um, and it can sometimes be the, the main entity that doesn't get the best of your time and, and care is yourself. So. I've become more conscious of that, but I can still say it's it's uh, something I I really have to make sure I'm accountable to myself for. Well, and I think you can you've seen it with people that um, a lot of friends that I have that are so outward driven, whether it's a mom supporting her family, yes, a leader yes. supporting the people that work for them, they tend to come last. And I think that can be a miss sometimes yes, because you know the better the more the better you are at being you, the better you can help other people. But it gets I think it's easy to for, be get forgotten about and and it, it with good intentions. So it's, it's tricky. It's, it it's, is. It's, 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 it's absolutely tricky because it's not wrong, but yet is it, is it sustainable? <laughs> That's right. Um, so curious along the way, obviously success is never a direct path. And I just consider you very successful in terms of what you do and the impact you've Thank had. You. The journey mentors, people on the way that have really kind of either stewarded you or kept that North star lit and shining and shining bright. Like who's been, who's been the person that kept you inspired or driven or gave you that little nudge when you needed it the most along the way? I think one of the things that has has really sustained me is my family. There's just no question. Um, I think really in good times and bad times, when they drive you crazy, when you love them to death, um, when you have that framework and foundation of a really solid family uh, that you know that you can turn to at any time for anything, um, I I think that's that's irreplaceable. And and sadly, that's what I see a lot of our participants that come into cups uh, don't have surely by them luck or not luck of where they're born. But you become that for them. Indirectly, for sure. Uh, As much as you can from the As much as we can. We tried to create their own social network or natural network um, into the communities, but it's not, it's really, you're at a a disadvantage to not have that foundation. You definitely Mm -hmm. are. So you have to work harder and uh, do a lot more, you know, 
of your own kind of creativity and, and work in your community on your own is a lot tougher. Uh, so I definitely say my family is first and foremost. Um, and we're, we're still all driving each other crazy today, but I would say second <laughs> the beauty of a good family right there. Yeah, <laughs> you got to do it. You gotta. Absolutely. <laughs> I think really I've been blessed too to be in Calgary for so long. Um, I would say in university, there was a couple of mentors that I had as professors that were phenomenal human beings. Like, they knew their stuff and they were great at what they taught, but they're also really, really curious about mm. even the, the very things they were teaching on and really pushed the bill and really made us question things. And those were two that I would say stood out on that level and um, that that really made me think outside the box. Or I think I had that natural inclination, but really mentored me and, and encouraged me to think outside the box. Um, then I think in Calgary, I've had a real amazing network of really of friends and, and colleagues and and even my some of my board directors you know they're just amazing people that um all of my staff and board directors are just so involved and so engaged that you learn something from everyone if you want to um one of the things i remember saying to to one of my colleagues not long ago is you know i've been very fortunate about people but i really always try and question you know what's their destination like why are you here and where are you going and it was interesting because um i was having that conversation with her and i was driving home that evening and actually um i was going to a bottle drive that i was going to drop off my pop bottles and and uh two and i had two bags in the car and i saw this um this man, younger guy, pushing a cart, and he had bottles in them, and it was completely full to the point where he was like running around almost a U of the cart to keep them keep all his in. bottles on. I've, and he I've was seen, at least yeah. it was chilly too. It was at least uh, seven blocks from the bottle destination, and I couldn't help but correlate that to the conversation I had that day. In that he knows where he's going. He's a lot of obstacles to get there. Things are going to fall. They might break. Uh, he's going to have to deal with that. He's tired. It's cold, but he has a destination. And I, I think in life, when I think of mentors, I love asking them, you know, where, where, where do you think you're going and why are you here? And what's that next step in that journey? And why, why are you going to that next step? So I, I try to do that myself in the sense where do I even know the destination of where I want to be mm-hmm. in three years, in five years, in 10 years? And I think all of us say yes. But you're right. The road—it's me- often a meandering path. <laughs> it is, but that north—that north, you know, the north star. Different ways to refer to it. It's so like you know, we talked about earlier. Um, to look beyond the day, the week, the ne- like that north star of where we're headed, so that when those obstacles show up in our path, which they will, like you said, it might not be a direct line, but if I have to go around the mountain, I'll go around. That's but right. I know the north star is still that way. <laughs> that's right. And I think it's so powerful, and I think that that's. With so many opportunities, depending on where, you know, good, bad, and indifferent, staying that course can sometimes also be energizing when you've got those obstacles. That's right. Because what's the bigger end game? Mm-hmm. And I think that's I'm a good agreeing. lesson for so many people. And, and it, it will change, but to be aware of it and, and keep adjusting it. It's, if you need to move the North Star a little bit, that's okay, but have one. That's right. <laughs> I think is so... So over the years, did the North Star... Is it always... It feels like you've been on the path. You started, you were the youngest wanted to help what grade one, you know, it's been that way. Was there ever a deviation? Did you ever take a, take a, take a turn to the left and then get brought back by the North star? <laughs> well, it's gotta be a few year very, turns along here somewhere. Very first job was when I was 12 and I picked strawberries and I had a clear destination <laughs> to not keep doing labor work. Okay. <laughs> Did not like, okay. That I love it. I love the first job questions. Thanks for bringing that in. Yeah. My first, so my first job I was picking stones, so I have a similar story to you. Definitely had the destination that manual labor is not for me. Not for you. How many summers? So that's a summer job, I'm assuming. I did. I did that for about 
three summers till I was about 15. And then PEI used to have a quite a lucrative tobacco industry. Okay, so yes. I picked tobacco. That as well reaffirmed my lack of love of labor. <laughs> you felt that there was more. There was a bigger, there was a bigger destiny. Do you know, I, it's interesting. Did the, the North Shore didn't change if, if I really want to be honest about my destination. Because I always find it interesting when I ask some of our participants, particularly, and I stopped and gave him my bottles, by the way. Uh, but I did drive them to the... the, the Thanks for finishing that story. I knew there was another part to that story. That was great. Mm. And I asked him, I said, you know, tell me about your destination here tonight. And it was interesting because if you ask someone like that, they, they think their destination is to get to the bottle depot. Mm-hmm. But they, and when you probe and probe and probe, there's way more to it. They're way more intelligent and intellectual and deep thinkers than, than sometimes we give life credit for or that give those, those uh, kind of specific tasks credit for. But mm-hmm. he was very thoughtful about you know, what it would take to really change his circumstances. And very honest probably more honest than many of us would be. Um, but I, I can say it wasn't really just to help people, although I have a, a very soft spot for people to want to make them feel as less pain as possible, and it's mm-hmm. possible in life not to feel pain. But if there's anything we all can do to lessen others' pain, then we should do that. So that's always been my thing. But I have to admit, probably my final destination, from the whether I knew it or not at 21, um, or even at 18 when I went to university, um, and got, since then, uh, since my, my work in Halifax, Nova Scotia, at the Bethany Home, I went and got two master's degrees. So it's it's always been that journey, but... I really want it more than anything is to change the way we think about now. So if you're happy now and you feel that you have some things and we can work on to, to kind of get you feeling more fulfilled and less caught up in, in, in the negative stuff, what would it take in a year to be even stronger than that? What systems need to change? What money needs to change? What relationships need to change? All those type of things that make up our whole heart and soul, right? Um, so I really always wanted to stay with that pushing, pushing point of we need to always be pushing systems, pushing people, pushing funders from my personal uh, nonprofit sector world, but also pushing each other to not get comfortable that the world is just always going to have some of these negative things that's true. But if we keep pushing to get better, stronger, happier, more helpful and caring, then we could become that much more of a civil society. And I think for me, the biggest destination was that process, not necessarily my job. Very interesting. It's such an interesting concept because it's almost like we struggle to eliminate struggle. <laughs> we want to make it too easy. We want to, you know, for comfort and, you know, oh, sit back, relax, nothing. But humans excel with challenge. That's right. It's such an interesting dichotomy that we used to, you know, be happy in the now, but still be focused on the future. That's right. Which so much of our world, I think, can at times really gear us to pleasure in the moment. And chasing that without still maintaining that both a duality of a future state, but it's okay to be happy now, but know there's drive and push to be better. That's really interesting. How have you, have you found that's met with any resistance in the, in the, in the non-for-profit sector? Yes. (laughs) I I didn't want to speculate. (laughs) There's, you know, on this journey we have, speaking of challenges, uh, I feel you picked a big one. With that topic. So how has, the, how has that been, bringing that new concept to the table in a world that was probably didn't want, you're just, we're just going to not talk about that. <laughs> well, again, I would say Alberta Family Wellness took the, uh, the foundation of knowledge and information and evidence to the entire province, country, and beyond. Um, so to me, 
I think it really comes down to human beings are amazing people. Like they just really are so interesting. I think it really comes down to that personal time and attention as to what the resistance really is. And I don't think it's always just that people don't think it's a good idea or just want to be resistant. Um, I think it is, I, although I, sometimes I think there's that, uh, but I do think <laughs> mostly it's around, um, I can't do what I'm doing now and add that path and journey and recreate that. I can't, I don't have time to manage what it would take to get just from here to there. I just don't have, have, uh, have Systems the are just complex. Governments change. People change. People come and go from jobs. It's just the way of the world. But I always find when I can get down to, if I really need something from someone that is going to be a change in what we, the way we do business now or have a relationship now, it, that kind of face-to-face honest conversation, in our electronic and technical world, it never, ever, ever fails to be the most effective way to communicate. Um, and I Just find sit down and have a chat. That's right. <laughs> face-to-face, get to, like, really just to get to the root of what's going on here. Like, what's the mm-hmm. thing? And I've always found that to be incredibly successful. It can be time-consuming, but really we are here as human beings to interact and to socially spend time together. And I think when we can have those level of discussions, you can usually get to the root of the problem. So I think resistance is a natural step in change. Um, getting to the why of that resistance and what you can do well, about it. Well, you touched it. on it earlier. Fear is a big factor. Yep. Fear, fear, just fear of different. It doesn't have to be That's fear right. of, you know, the dragon in the corner. It's literally like, oh, I'm kind of comfortable. It's easy. Even though I'm not happy, it's still, we get something out of it. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, sometimes there's not a lot of motivation for change. Right. Sometimes there's not a lot of resources for change. Um, sometimes there's fear of failure. And I can say, I think one of the things that I, if I had to say, stand out in my mind that has let me not be as afraid because I think we're all afraid and I'd be mm-hmm. lying to say I wasn't at times. I don't really have a um, ego or emotional tie to failure. Like I, I really don't. And I think that really is a blessing in some ways because even like I said when I was younger, I'd rather do it myself and fail and figure it out than have someone show me the way. I don't think that's ever left me. And I think that's a good thing because I think fear of failure is also really incredibly important to make progressive change. And I think you have to, fail to get there and so having a fear of it can really become something that's blocks even if you are dead right or going to be dead successful and I don't necessarily have that as a weight on me as as maybe others do and I, I feel I've failed a lot of things and that's okay I've learned as long as I'm just not failing 51% of the time I'm going to keep moving forward that's the way I look at it that's but right. it's an interesting commentary we you know we deal with oftentimes an educational system that has a pass fail type of scenario yeah. as someone who's in business it's not really any such thing. It's it's learning and trying again or, or picking up like, you know, that whole let's try it, fail quick, fail fast, figure out what's going on and move on. But society doesn't always support it that way. Mm-hmm. That's right. So question, That's and right. this is a bit, it's, it's a weird question to ask considering what you just said, but in maybe the context of failure, um, biggest failure, biggest biggest thing you've learned from, like, because there's always some moments where things, the car goes off the rails a little bit <laughs> into the ditch. It can be classified as a failure, but usually for many of us, it can be like, oh, so glad that happened now that it's over. Kind of trauma plus time equals hilarity sometimes. Yes. Any big things in your life that were kind of pinnacles of like, whoa, that kind of blew it in the context and I came back from it better? Um, So one of my degrees, I have my master's in education and my master's in business. And just to make sure you had that checked, you're like, just, not, not just yeah, just two yeah. master degrees. That's so impressive. Just, yeah, yeah that, <laughs> I love it. That's an, I'm done. Yeah, not um, so I <laughs> actually enough. really thought when I got my master's in ed, I really did think I wanted to go into the school system and teach and really be that kind of an audience where yes. I can be progressive. Um, and it wasn't for me. 
And it's an amazing profession, and it's uh, certainly a great fit for many others. But I really felt that I needed to have some kind of much more flexible, innovative, even business framework kind of context to what I Interesting. do. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if I call that a failure, but it was it's one of the things I really say to younger folks whenever asked or have the opportunity um, is – you know, get to know yourself. Like really, sometimes it's easy to think we fit into these um, contexts or professions or whatever it is. And if you put yourself there, you can often find out that's not really what I wanted. That's not really fitting me wholly. So I think it's really great to put yourself in a lot of different scenarios to find out who you really are and where your perfect fit is. Because we all know about 75% of what we're good at and what we're driven to do. Mm-hmm. There's that other 25, 30 that I would say, you're going to put yourself in different contexts and really be pleased to find things that you're really interested in that you might not know yet. Uh, so that to me was something that really, after that I went, hmm, because I did my master's in it first and I went, hmm, well, now I got my master's in this. This doesn't seem to be a fit. I tried it. I, I tried it, though. I tried it. <laughs> I tried I think that's such, because it's so, you know, what do you want to be into the middle of the question that we all get asked for younger? Maybe so, I still don't know. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. I haven't tried that many things yet. How can I answer that question? I know. But to take that as a learning opportunity, and, that's right. and I'm sure if you went back and unpacked it, reverse engineered it, how many things did you learn from that experience that probably play today? You just don't happen to be in a formal teaching environment, even though you're probably teaching every day. <laughs> exactly. It's so many levels. That's, that's so, right. so interesting. So wasted experience? Absolutely not. No. Failure? Definitely. No. Just I went down a road and then I backed up and I went down that's another. Right. I went down another road. Mm. And it really led me. Uh, well, when I. It's a great example. Yeah. I when it. I first came to I Calgary. I, I actually first worked for Society of Treatment of Autism and uh, really enjoyed that experience. And it was the not-for-profit world was kind of an interesting world for me at that time. So when I came to CUPS and met Lorraine Melky, who was then the executive director, um, I liked, I loved her drive and vision. Like she really, she was going to, to get the job done. And that was just the way it was. A great, great, great woman. Um, but it was interesting to me just how much that could be innovatively done Mm -hmm. in that sector. So I would have said 10 years prior to that, no, I don't really see myself in the not-for-profit world. Interesting. And here I found myself there because it wasn't necessarily about whether teaching or or healthcare or not-for-profit shelters or or programs, um, you know, organizations that offer programming on a, a next stage level. It really didn't matter the context to me, but I... At that point, I was starting to figure out, I need about three things. I need to be able to really be able to challenge things that are mm-hmm. happening and see if we can do them bigger, better, stronger, or the same. Um, I need to be innovative to be able to do that. And I need to have uh, a, an eye in the community. How do we not just, um, how do we change the community at impact level, but not forget about the human being personal experience? Well, still, all the North Star was has always been helping, elevating, Absolutely. lifting people up, whether Absolutely. it was education, it all, it all comes back. There's a similar theme, That's right. for sure. It's but when you're younger, or I was <laughs> anyway, and maybe in PEI, uh, coming from a large family role, PEI, I didn't have as much, and pl- plus that was in the mid-'80s. Um, at that time, you really thought it was a slot you were fitting self teacher yes. nursing school the preordained path yeah you know in so many ways it was really one of those contexts where what was probably my greatest discovery is the context matters less than the intrinsic drives that you need mm-hmm. in the environment you're working in so uh, for me to have flexibility innovation and open book creativity to really do it better bigger stronger 
was the more, most important thing. Well, I think that's so powerful for people that are, you know, as all of us looking for what what's going to give value in our lives, finding out what those elements are, not necessarily, and then find out what roles could maybe support that, not the other way around. We often That's pick right. the role, not necessarily knowing if, right. if it meets our needs in terms of who we are as individuals and what's really going to blow our hair back, if, if you will. Not necessarily the role, it's what what's in, is encompassed. And that can be so many different, you kind of made your own. You did forge your own path. Absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think it hasn't, it's been fun. It's been challenging. It's been you know, exhausting, but it's also been, <laughs> I think for me, the recipe of rewarding life right there, right there. <laughs> Where's that self-care again? Where's yeah. that self-care? <laughs> uh, but I think for me, ultimately when I am, and I remember one professor said this to me and I've never, ever, ever forgot it. I was doing a presentation and it was actually on, um, we had to, uh, pick an American contemporary novel and look at the religious affiliations of that. Oh, uh, interesting. Which, you know, maybe now it'd be spiritual, who knows. Um, and I picked The Catch in the Rye, and I did a whole paper on this. And when I was talking to him about it, he really, we, we really had a great discussion. And he said, I'd like you to present that. And I, know, I don't know, like I, I was only about probably 20 at the time, 19. And he said, I really want you to present this. This is really insightful. And the way you've really looked at the journey of particularly the main character's mind, he said, is, is really impactful. Like, you really need to talk about this. And I remember at the time thinking, it's, it was scary to, to, to want to do that. But I remember at the time thinking, what, like, what do you want to say when you say that? Don't just cite what you did with this paper. Like, why did you do that? He's telling you this is something he thinks is stand out mm-hmm. of a way of how I'm viewing things. What do I want to do that? And I guess for me, at, in my whole journey of life, if I was... Um, which is exactly what he said to me. He goes, Karen, get up to that podium and speak about if you were 65 and this paper is a translation of how you're going to act your whole life and the way you're going to view people and the way you're going to really look that deep. He said, what would you want them to say about you at 65 when you're retiring? Which, who knows, at 65 when you retires anymore. Uh, but <laughs> that was a really great message to me at the time to say, what 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 is my journey here? Like, mm-hmm. if I if I looked at him from those eyes, then what do I want to do in my life that is going to take that deeper dive and make impactful change? So, I, whether I knew it or not, I I was doing it then, and I think for me, at the end of our lives, I think we all want to be respected. I think we all want to have had love in our life, um, but I think for me, I really want to think I change a bigger system or had a bigger impact that really opened doors for many, many people to think differently about their potential. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And that was at 20. Mm. Well, I, I now look back and know that I ah, thought okay, like I got that, it. That but was... I didn't know that at the point, but I remember him saying to me, get up there and speak about, you know, what you, he goes, I mean, not speak about, it. he said, think about what you would want think about to say about you when you're retiring. <clears throat> So, so powerful the things that yeah. happen at different points in our life when we filter them. And, you know, as you say, when you reverse engineer it or you unpack it and you're like, oh, I see. And it starts to make sense in, in, in reverse. And it's very interesting where you see where it takes us. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't know if you've, if you've read the novel Catching the Rye. But I have. Hold, I, hold, I think so I read it in grade 10, I believe. That's I'm not right. mistaken. Grade 11. Yeah. <laughs> so when he uh, is, you know, obviously on a trajectory that's going downhill fast yes. mm-hmm. and goes to run away, but he loves his little sister. And she meets him in that bathroom and he passes out. I have not thought about Catching the Rye for quite a while. <laughs> So he passes out and it seems so symbolic 
of how love will conquer, even when we're afraid, when we're weak, when we're not strong enough, when it's easier to run away than to face a lot of things that he would have had to face at that time. Mm-hmm. But he loved his little sister so much, he simply couldn't leave it either. And I think the message really for me, and I went way into much more... <laughs> now, please, uh, do, thinking. please do not do not hold back. That's what we're here to talk about today. But I do think at the end of it, no matter what is happening in our world, and no matter how much sometimes we think... Oh, you know, really, this thing's ever going to get better. Um, I do think love conquers all. I do. I think we really, in this world, leave each other better if you truly love someone. And I think that is exactly what I saw in my little grade one circle where I went, you know, Andrea's has problems, maybe sometimes knowing how to talk to people, so I'm going to help her learn how to do that, and she's going to help me pass math, right? <laughs> These kind of things, right? But it's really not that different than today when... You, you sit down and you think, I think I left that person better than when I met them. And I know that for me, you and many, many others truly have. And I want, yeah, I really think when you can, can be in your old age and know that and that you've had impact on people and on even systems or communities, then you've did, you've did your, your meaning here. And how powerful of, a, of an opportunity you've taken to create a whole organization that does that. Because we have two hands and yes. we have one heart. That's right. But if we get everyone we influence and the more we can bring to that, you know, that, that, you know, you, we've talked a lot about you as an individual, but let's not forget the individual is also a leader yes. of your organization. How many, how many people work at Cups? We're at just over 170. With a culture that's by the leader. Um, right. And how many people in a year do you, do you guys, do you guys impact? In terms Last of- year we helped 11,400, just over that number. It's a lot of people. Um, it's that's very, powerful. And about probably... It's a good ratio, 170 to 11,000. That's right. And as you, it takes a whole community of donors and supporters, but if you just do one to many, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, like about 40, well, 35, 40 is, is really a short-term intervention. They might okay. need help, you know, with some tools or training to get it to do a job, but they're doing pretty good in other cases. We have a resiliency matrix that we scan at where they're actually strong in and where they have weaknesses. Um, some... You know, it's it's a it's a shorter journey. Others are very mm-hmm. long journeys to really see change. Um, but I really think you're stronger as well when you empower people to see their own crown, so to speak. Absolutely. Yes, because uh, we can. You mentioned see. that you, said, you used that yeah. reference at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I think you know. Honestly, if I was to look at, at you, Tyler, and say I can tell you ten things like that that just stand out as that you really are just a great guy and a great you know businessman and all these things, well, we're not you. always so kind to ourselves, and not necessarily mm. that we're negative always, but that inner we don't dialogue sometimes necessarily can be harsh. see it right. Um, so I I think we do really really well empowering people throughout our resiliency matrix that really infuses those kind of gifts uh, uh, from the brain science that really gets the root of the trauma and root of the problems and really builds their resiliency to be able to to really be their own self-leaders. And then when they take off and they go into the community, many, many, many people you wouldn't even know ever were a CUPS participant. I've experienced that at some of the galas and some of the people you've brought up to speak that were in the program 10 years ago and now they've either graduated or successful careers or they've got degrees. And it's a fantastic organization. I've always been impressed with the teach the fist versus give a fish mindset. That was our very first conversation. I I know. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think that's where I fell in love with your concept and and obviously a little bit with what you do. And that is 100% true. Mm-hmm. And, and you live it. I've seen it you firsthand. So I'm curious a little bit. I want to tie. I love what you said about. I love what you said about love and, and about how powerful that is to care about the people in your life and to truly care. But then you've brought in science. You've brought in measurement. You've brought in results based. 
How have you weaved those together? Because that's some, some might say they sit on opposite sides of the table, and oftentimes they're divided that way. But you've clearly brought them together in a way that, that creates the soft side, but also creates the tangible results that, that we need as societies. We certainly look to these days. You know, it's, it's certainly a model that I think is, is obviously the right model. But um, I really think everyone gains from trying to have a clear path of what we're trying to do. And whether we like it or not, measurement tools give us that, right? Yes. Um, and I do think there's a, there's a finite amount of money for any cause, program, or, or expense. Um, so we really do have to use money incredibly wisely and make sure we're getting our biggest return of investment. Uh, because of that, you need to have some kind of a business structure of how you do your operations, right. whether it's human people or whether it's financial statements. Um, so I, I really have to say, I build, a, and many have as well, uh, build a case that actually we're serving our participants better because we actually know what's going to make the difference now. We have the evidence, we have the assessments, we have the interventions, we have our resiliency matrix, we rely on on uh, Alberta Family Wellness Initiative for all the newest and greatest and latest brain science and fusion and knowledge. Same with the Center of Development Child at Harvard University. Uh, they're really our drivers of the latest, greatest evidence of really kind of how do your brain work and how do we best move people forward by giving them those tools. Um, but then it comes down to you and beings, you're right. And so I think one of the things that have always been for at least cups, and, and again, I would say many others, but at least for us is we've talked, you've heard me talk a lot about human relationships and power of face-to-face and other connections and group talk, but really there's a difference between hearing and really listening. There really is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, and communication is talking and, and listening. Well, the, um, the, the myth of communication <laughs> is that it happened. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I think one of the things we've never forgot is that human relationship is critical for any tool to work. For any business to be successful, your products have to make a difference or be better than other products. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to positively impact people's lives. That's right. It's, it's, it's not rhetoric. It's not just words in a paper because people place a lot of trust. You talked about earlier, people are scared of that fear to change. When they decide to engage, you know, they, 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 they get introduced to cops and they decide to take that step forward, they're putting a lot of faith in you. That's that right. what you're bringing to the table for them as resources actually exactly is going to right. create change. And it's a lot, it's a leap of faith for them on a lot, right. on a lot of fronts to take that step of like, okay, I'm actually going to invest beyond today. That's right. And you being able to deliver something that you now have hundred percent confidence can do that. That's a powerful equation. Mm-hmm. I agree. And you know, to be honest, when we said to our participants and to our staff, we're going to really look at a thing called diverse childhood experiences and a resiliency matrix and all the tools in there are going to have a lot of the same language in it. But what it really is is a deep dive into about 10 quick questions about your childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really gives you just a scope of the scale of trauma you've been uh, exposed to. And when we first brought that to someone's attention to say, we don't know what's broken. We can't really build the interventions to fix it. Right. Um, and, you know, so many of us are so afraid or so, um, I would not say unwilling at all. I would say either afraid or um, just have learned to block it out, right. all the things that have happened to us, Right. Uh, but it was interesting because it was quite resisted in the sense where I think a lot of of folks and professionals and, and staff felt, you're opening Pandora's box here. Like, you're going to open things and we don't necessarily have the resources to deal with it. Interestingly enough, I would say actually the reverse. I think people were so relieved to talk about it. And from my personal questions to a lot of our participants, um, they said either two things. I buried it and I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Or actually three things. Or I did bring it up once and it didn't go well. 
or I never talked about it because I was so afraid to talk about it and to admit it. Um, but when they did, it really took us on a different jury than if we hadn't asked those questions. So when I talk about, you know, how did the science help, it really gave us the full story. It really gave us, instead of thinking, which, you know, sometimes we, we can make quick judgments, but instead of thinking someone doesn't want to change, it's they're almost frozen in helplessness in some ways um, and when you really start diving into some of that and giving them the power back of what they can change in their lives it's a totally different journey you take with them so it's a human journey well, it's permission based they now have permission and it's changes it, they're it giving changes back the, the dialogue absolutely absolutely people that have been really abused or traumatized in mm-hmm. life feel they have no power mm-hmm. and when you start giving them back that power Boy, they can they can really well. The ability to talk about it is that first step. That's right. And you know, you right. talked about you know in the home you worked in for for young young women when you were younger. There's things that our society was that were changing, but it's slow. Yeah. And not talking about things and pushing them under the rug, and we don't talk about that. That's it's been a very it's a very real thing, and and we're moving, but it's it's still there. <laughs> yeah. And that's powerful that you create in a, you know a safe environment primarily that people can then you know be vulnerable because it takes vulnerability to, to do question. that. And then start the journey of not only healing and acquiring skills, but one of the biggest things that I've never been ever failed to see is the mo- the love of a parent to their child, and to to know that they can stop their child from being exposed to what they were is one of the biggest motivating factors in the world. And I, I'm always Well, it so comes, impressed. it's that external. Yeah, okay, well, yes, I'm important, but this, 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 this other person, this individual in my life that I'm kind of the sole steward of, and the, 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 I can help them, I can change their pattern. That's right, absolutely. So, you know, I think the journey, it's important to combine the, the relationship with the, the toolkit, mm-hmm. and the toolkit has to be evidence-based, because then you can come back and say, um, at the end of the day that, you know what, this program is actually not as effective as we thought, or this program is growing leaps and bounds and you, it really does allocate the funds differently. And I think we all have that ownership and responsibility to make sure that what we are doing is helping the people. Well, the best well, it's, way. it's so interesting with your outcome is when, you know, when your driver's caring and help and your outcome is, is results to be able to go back with a critical eye and say, how could we do that better and have it be tangible. It's really the only time that change can happen for the, right. the process. That's exactly and I think right. that's an interesting. Do you see that? You know, obviously things are evolving and you've clearly been very impactful in, 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 in the world you've been in and changing the thinking and changing the way the not-for-profit sector, or specifically CUPS, focuses on it. Is it a movement? Is it bigger? Is it happening? Is, it, is this a change that we're seeing or we're going to see more of? I would say yes. Excellent. I absolutely would. And I, again, I will say our major driver in the city is the Alberta Family Wallace Initiative. Um, they have a thing called a core story, and more and more people are being engaged. They've spent That's a lot great. of time and, and energy and resources on being able to um, expand that knowledge base and translate that scientific information into digestible information for well because there is a gap absolutely yeah <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so how do we make it usable that's this right white paper is great but what do i do with and it and they've <laughs> done an amazing job on that so i think it really is starting to get saturated at a much bigger level that it almost looks like some of us have seen the runway coming mm-hmm. and i would say it is the runway it's really where we're all heading and i think it's been slow i think it will continue to be slow but i do think that we all get the common sense reality of what needs to change to be sustainable and to help as many people. Well, I would imagine it starts to be self, self-fulfilling prophecy. That's right. Results create proof. Proof That's creates right. buy-in. That buy-in creates more people jumping on the bandwagon. It becomes a bandwagon. I think those, that's, that's the change. That time, the change takes time, but it starts with, with somebody doing it. That's right. <laughs> but you have that reality with 
the reality that even in Canada, we're going to have trouble sustaining our education and our health care and yes, all and those if you, if justice you, systems. If you look far enough out, you're right. We have to do things differently. We really, really do. And I know it's incredibly what tough What got us here won't get us there kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know, so I think, uh, I think a lot of people see the logic in it. It's now the how. So I think we've all been satisfied with the why. Mm-hmm. I think we're now with the how. And the how is really, really, really complicated. <laughs> Well, it's a lot of change. Mm. It is. It's like saying, okay, yes, I agree. Now what? That's right. I believe you. Now what? That's right. So where does that, where does that leave you on this journey? Is it, does it, is, where, where's the path for Carlene in in terms of, sounds like you're on the forefront of this change. What are the opportunities? What, what do you see down the, down the road? Um, so cops, uh, we have two locations. Uh, one is on 10th and 10th and the other is on 11th and 6th. And I'd love anyone that is interested to come on and have a tour. And, and I would more. encourage anyone to reach out. And it's, <laughs> it's a fantastic facility. It's very inspiring. It really, really is. And it's great because you get to talk to the participants themselves. And a lot of what we do, we actually test against what the voices of the actual participants say and what they think and do we got this right do we is this your reality is this true um and it's a good chance to How do empowering well. for them to, uh, right. to openly participate in the process that's right and, of and creating I think, a new way mm-hmm. and when people come through i think they get the chance to do that as well um but i i would say now that we've been in our so we relocated into the 10th and 10th as our main site about five and a half years ago uh I think we've did a lot of work adjusting to that home. We grew about 35% in terms of our uh, participants coming through and clients and patients. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think after five years of just getting settled and looking at our, we've created a new strategic plan that's probably, no, not probably, definitely the most sophisticated plan CUPS has ever had. And we have developed our very own resiliency matrix that's getting a lot of of uh, viewings and, and interest. Uh, so I think the developed next... Developed your own proprietary. We did. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, did. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, we did. We uh, The resiliency matrix, we took about 13 best practices across the world and created our own. And so it has a whole, dom- four different domains, has all formal assessments that are, are reliable. We're doing the post-test now that we'll see if it's valid. Uh, valid, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you need to validate the process. That's right. Uh, so we will continue that process, but it's looking incredibly positive and good. Uh, so now I think for me, the next five years is going to be what next? So I always okay. like to look at the runway and go... What, what do I think I see coming and where are we best placed? I think we've done a really good job, particularly in the last five years. Um, and I will do a plug for uh, the Interweave project, the Impact Strategic Clarity module. Mm-hmm. We did that with a coach called Margot Smart. And she, uh, she, it was a phenomenal experience for us because I think we're at that pivotal point where we weren't all on the same page about where our... Uh, what exactly our expertise were, although mm-hmm. we knew the general areas, we well, knew the programs. Alignment in any type of organization That's right. is critical. Mm-hmm. And then where those stopped and started, right? So we tried, so that process, we created our uh, a whole deep dive into what really our expertise, to who, um, for what, and what are we trying to change? So that whole concept of a theory of a change and, and in what timeline um, we create our own theory of change and really got people on the same page for the first time forever. And I think that really helped us know if we're looking at future programs, or future development or future partnerships or anything along those lines, no more is that where our stop and start our expertise mm-hmm. is critical. So we were able to, to really all get on the same page of that and then develop our strategic plan. Uh, that was an amazing process. So I think we're now in a position where I think I'm ready to look at the next five years and say, where now? Sounds, it sounds like the framework is in place and certainly obviously continuing to keep doing the amazing work that you've done. And, you know, I could not, um, 
could not express more gratitude for the leadership role that you do take in our city. And I firsthand see the wonderful work that that Cups does. I'm personally a huge fan of your organization and yourself. So I want to extend a huge thank you for coming in today and sharing a little bit of the story, but the Carlene behind, but the Carlene behind the scenes, and 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 introducing more people to to individuals in our community who just get it. So thank you very much. 